Wait, what? So this happened. I'm Rachel Vallesnor, and this is the podcast Hell is Not the End, although it feels like just the beginning sometimes. Is anything really the end, though? This podcast is meant to explore the limitless possibilities of one's own soul. Why do people do bad things? Why are there countless happenings beyond understanding? Why, when we are cautioned not to do something, do we just do it anyway? The definition of curiosity, a strong desire to know or learn something. There you have it. I will curiously explore why. Hell is not the end. Lana Clarkson was born in Long Beach, California on April 5th, 1962, to Donna and James Clarkson. Lana had a brother and a sister. They grew up in Sonoma County, California, which is considered Northern California. Lana attended Cloverdale High School and Pacific Union College. In 1978, right around Christmas, Lana's father dies and the family returns to Southern California in the San Fernando Valley. After moving back, Lana pursues a career in the entertainment industry as a performer and fashion model. In the early 80s, Lana got small parts in both film and television. In 1982, she made an appearance in Amy Heckerling's Fast Times at Ridgemont High, based on the Cameron Crowe book. This would be her first speaking part. In 1983, again landing a small speaking part in the movie Scarface, she is behind Michelle Pfeiffer on the dance floor in the Babylon Club scene. As an actress, Lana is notably known for five movies she was in produced by Roger Corman. The first of these films would be called Death Stalker in 1983. Lana would play a female warrior and love interest to the title character. Roger Corman films often portrayed female nudity and action geared towards male movie viewers. Shocker. Lana's performance in Deathstalker led her to the next role in Roger Corman's next movie, Barbarian Queen, in 1985, where she would play the lead role. He would refer to the role as the original Xena, Lana being a strong female lead in an action-based part, Barbarian Queen would become a cult classic film. In 1987, Lana appears in a John Landis spoof film, Amazon Women of the Moon. Next, she would star in Roger Corman's sequel to The Barbarian Queen, Barbarian Queen 2, The Empress Strikes Back, in 1990, to which had no correlation to the first film whatsoever. The characters nor the plot lines bore any resemblance to the point of the first film. Lana received star billing for the, this film and went straight to video. Although the movie did not make a ton of money, Roger Corman did make a profit. In 1990, Lana would go on to star in a supporting role in a horror flick, The Haunting of Morella, and land another Roger Corman film, Vice Girls. She would also work in some B-movies, sci-fi genre films that inspired, again, cult-following films. She would become a favorite guest appearance at comic conventions, signing autographs for her fans. She appeared in several commercials and television spots. Her final role would be a guest appearance in the Roger Corman film Black Scorpion in 1995, which was a television adaptation. Lana had traveled around the United States and Europe while working on fashion photo shoots. Other projects would take her farther away from home like Japan, Greece, Argentina, Italy, Switzerland, France, Jamaica, and Mexico 
just to say she became a well-seasoned traveler. Not only that, she was a volunteer for Project Angel Food, a charity that would deliver food to people that suffer from debilitating diseases such as HIV and AIDS. At a time when the public feared this disease before gaining understanding of the disease. In her 30s, Lana's career begins to stall. Unable to support herself as an actress, she must find another path. She operates her own website where she sells autographed pictures of herself and autographed DVDs of the movies she was in and communicated often with her fans on her own message board. Although most of her roles often exploited her looks, one of her greatest hopes was to be cast in a comedy role. A few of her close friends knew that she had been working on a stand-up comedy act. In 2001, while living in Venice, California, Lana developed, wrote, produced, and directed a project she called Lana Unleashed. She, she took a part-time job at the House of Blues in West Hollywood, California, to help her get by to hopefully bigger and better things. Enter Phil Spector. Born on December 26, 1939 in the Bronx, New York. He was born to Benjamin and Bertha Spector, first-generation Jewish immigrants. In 1949, his father commits suicide. In 1953, his mother moves the family to Los Angeles, California and finds work as a seamstress. Phil attends John Burroughs Junior High School and then Fairfax High School in 1954. Phil is an American record producer, musician, and songwriter who developed the Wall of Sound, a music production formula he described as a Wagnerian approach to rock and roll, referring to a German composer who would write not only the text of his operas, but all of the music as well. Phil Spector is considered to be one of the most influential figures in pop music history, and the first amateur among music artists for the unprecedented freedom and control he had over the recording process phase. In 1958, Phil starts his career as co-founder vocalist and guitarist of the Teddy Bears in the song To Know Him Is To Love Him, a number one single in the United States. In 1960, he became the youngest ever United States label owner at the time, at the age of 21, co-founder Phil S. Records, along with Lester Sill. Throughout the 1960s, he wrote, co-wrote, or produced records for many well-known acts like Benny King, The Ronettes, The Crystals, and Ike and Tina Turner. He typically collaborated with the ranger Jack Nishay, engineer Larry Levine, and a de facto house band, and later became known as The Wrecking Crew, Phil would retire from the music industry in 1966. In 1969, Phil returns to the music industry. He produces the Let It Be album by the Beatles in 1970. Not sure I ever heard of them. Hmm. And would go on to produce several solo albums from George Harrison and John Lennon. By the mid-1970s, Spectre had produced 18 top 10 singles in the United States. Those chart toppers included You've Lost That Love and Feeling, co-written and produced for the Righteous Brothers, The Long and Winding Road, produced for the Beatles, My Sweet Lord, produced for George Harrison. Just after working with artist Leonard Cohen, Dion DiMucci from Dion and the Belmonts and the Ramones, 
he would become less involved in the process as he dealt with personal struggles. According to the Broadcast Music Inc., You've Lost That Love and Feelin' has had the most airplay time in the United States in the 20th century. In 1974, Phil is in a near-fatal car accident. He was thrown from his windshield of his own car in Hollywood, California. He becomes progressively reclusive, and his near-fatal car accident is most probable reason. He suffered serious head injuries. He had to have hundreds of stitches not only on his head, but on his face as well. It is speculated that the reason he wore such bizarre wigs later in life was to cover up possible scars from the horrific near-fatal car accident. He would appear in a cameo in I Dream of Jeannie in 1967 and appear as a drug dealer in film Easy Rider in 1969. In 1989, he is inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 1997, he is inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. In 2004, Rolling Stone magazine ranks him number 63 on their list of 100 greatest artists of all time. So it goes without saying, Phil Spector is a super talented guy that has beyond contributed to not only what we listen to, but the way we may listen to music. Unfortunately, his good decisions do not outweigh his bad ones. On February 3rd, 2003, Lana Clarkson would be found in Phil Spector's home. Her lifeless body is slumped over a chair from a 38 Colt Cobra gunshot wound to her mouth and her broken teeth would be scattered on the carpet next to her. In the early hours of that morning, Lara met Phil as she worked at the House of Blues in Los Angeles. They left together in a limousine to go back to his mansion. The pair go inside the mansion while the driver waits outside, inside the car. About an hour later, his driver hears a gunshot and watches Phil run outside. There is much speculation on what Phil was quoted as saying after the incident. On March 19, 2007, Phil goes on trial for the murder of Lana. This would be allowed to be televised. On September 26, 2007, a mistrial is declared due to a hung jury, a favoring 10-2 for conviction. His retrial begins October 20, 2008. This time the trial would not be televised. On April 13, 2009, after 18 days of liberation, his verdict is guilty of murder. Not only that, but also guilty of using a firearm in the commission of a crime, which adds four years to his sentence. On May 29, 2009, he is sentenced to 19 years to life in California State Prison System. He is currently an inmate at the California Health Care Facility in Stockton, California. He is eligible for parole in 2025. In February 2012, Lara's mother Donna settles a civil lawsuit with him and the insurance company over the wrongful death of Lana for an undisclosed amount. Phil was not known to have any successful personal family relationships. He was married three times. Once in 1963 to Annette Marar, who he later named a record company after Annette Records in 1968 to Veronica Bennett, later known as Ronnie Spector, whom he began having an affair while being married to Annette. They adopted a son, Dante. For a Christmas present, Phil adopts twins for Ronnie as a surprise, Louis and Gary, in 1966. 
Ronnie would later write a memoir in 1990, long after their divorce, titled Be My Baby, How I Survived Mascara, Miniskirts, and Madness. She would state that Phil imprisoned her in, in his California mansion and being subjected to years of psychological torture. Ronnie blames Phil for sabotaging her career by not letting her perform. She had to escape barefoot with the help of her mother in 1972. She gets her divorce in 1974, but she is stripped of any future record recording earnings and surrendered custody of her children. She was afraid that Phil would hire a hitman to kill her, as she said he had threatened her with doing before. She was afraid for her safety as well as her children's. Dante and Gary both claimed their father held them captive and were forced to simulate sexual acts on his girlfriend. He also fathers twins with a girlfriend, Jana Zavala, in the, eight, in the 1980s. They had a set of twins, a son, Philip Jr., and a daughter, Nicole, on October 18, 1982. Philip Jr. dies of leukemia on December 25, 1991. On September 1, 2006, while awaiting trial and on bail, he marries Rochelle Short. She is 26 years old at the time, and the marriage would end in divorce nearly 10 years later. Enter the Conspiracy Corner. According to an affidavit, Phil is quoted as saying, I think I just shot her, and I think I've killed someone. And later he says that it was an accidental suicide and then she kissed the gun. Well what does that mean? Not only are those statements contradictory, but super disturbing. People that have interviewed Phil over the years have stated that he has never tried to convince anyone of his innocence ever. Did his nearly fatal car accident have anything to do with his apparent coldness towards other humans, even the ones that should have been coldest to him? Like having undiagnosed head trauma? Or was he just a narcissistic sociopath, like so many? Whatever the case, Lana did not deserve to die. However you feel about this story, just go ahead and feel it. Phil Spector was a great contribution to the music industry, but the same cannot be said about his very human condition. In September of 2014, it is reported that Phil has lost his ability to speak due to laryngeal papillomatosis, a rare medical condition in which benign tumors form along the aerodigestive tract. I myself find this fitting. If true that Phil can no longer speak since he took Lana's voice to speak, can you say fate? Or can you chalk it up to karma? Whatever it is, I find his current predicament, and I quote, Too bad. So sad. My hope is that no one has to live in fear, ever. As always, I will never give up and read the signs. Special thanks to all the reading materials I could get my hands on, internet mostly. Thanks to wikipedia.org. Thanks so much for listening. 
I'm Rachel Vallis-Nor, and this is the podcast, Hell is Not the End. <laughs>